So we're playing the very Alaskan game of find my lane. Uh, I think I'm in a lane on my way to drop off the kids and then I I can't believe I'm saying this, but go get the first uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Go get the first shot. Kind of seems like there could be a light at the end of the tunnel here. I'm at Providence, getting ready to head into the building and get this thing done. So I am sitting here being monitored for an allergic reaction. Uh, It's been about 10 minutes since I got the vaccine. I have so far no injection site pain, no nothing, although it's pretty early. Um, But it is, uh, it's pretty festive in here, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, There's music going, everyone's chatting and hanging out. It's uh, it's pretty cool, feels like, uh, Feels like one of the better things that's happened in a long time. So I think everyone's everyone's pretty excited. I certainly am. So about 30 minutes out, um, back in the car and having a little bit of injection site soreness. Nothing too bad. Um, sort of feels like a like somebody's poking me in my arm. Um, I have not had anaphylaxis, so I'll I'll take the win on that one. Um, what they had us do was sit for 15 minutes and get watched and make sure we didn't have any significant immediate reactions. We'd sort of expect to see anaphylaxis in that period if you were, if you were going to develop it. Um, and then, then we're off vaccination card in hand back in three weeks. Um, so that's my plan. So far, so good. That was Dr. Danny Mindlin right after he received the first dose of the COVID vaccine at Providence Hospital in Anchorage, Alaska, on December 15th, 2020. The following conversation took place the next day. My name is Danny Mindlin. I am a recently vaccinated ER doc at Providence Alaska Medical Center here in Anchorage. Um, and we just wanted to touch base and sort of talk about how the vaccination went and sort of how things are, are going bigger picture. Just a little update on our on our recent talk. And I'll offer my usual disclaimer that I'm speaking on my own behalf. I'm not speaking on, on behalf of Providence. Uh, I'm not speaking on behalf of my group, uh, Just just my own opinions and experiences here. Having just got the first dose of the COVID vaccination, have you had any side effects? I've had a little injection site soreness, um, which is to be expected. Basically feels, you know, some years you'll get that with the flu shot too. Um, feels pretty similar. Um, so it's a it's a deltoid injection. So the, the muscle that sort of raises your, your arm away from your side, sort of the, the bump on, on your shoulder there, uh, just below the shoulder. And so when I lift my arm, I can feel a little soreness, and that has been the extent of it. Um, no muscle aches, no fatigue, no nothing. Um, feeling pretty good overall. Are you expecting any other side effects? No, I mean, at this point, I think if I were going to feel something, I'd be feeling it. I am now. Um, so I got vaccinated at um, about 1030 yesterday morning, so I'm 24 hours out almost exactly. And um, feeling totally fine. Um, I, I will say that generally speaking, we expect a little bit more with the second injection, um, and that's that's based on 
the experience of the people in the trials. And also logically, I mean, the first injection primes your immune system to respond more forcefully to the second one. Um, so it makes sense that you would have a, a more significant systemic reaction to the second one as your immune system sort of kicks into high gear and, and does what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And do you know what the known possible side effects are? Yeah, um, I do to some extent. I mean, we sort of, there's the the common injection site reactions like we talked about, the soreness at the injection site and stuff like that. Um, pretty commonly, and I the number I've seen, and there may be more accurate numbers out there now, but the number I've seen is somewhere on the order of 10 to 20% will have pretty significant um, fatigue, body aches, fever, uh, sort of general flu-like or or even COVID-like symptoms, although you know not with the respiratory distress or any of the the more concerning stuff. Um, but that's the more common things. Now we have seen some reports of anaphylaxis of severe allergic reactions, and that's sort of the big one. So um, right now everyone is getting observed uh, after getting the injection. So there's a 15-minute period of observation, even for people with no history of vaccine or other allergic reactions. Uh, and then for people who do have a history of some sort of reaction in the past, they're getting observed for 30 minutes. That's the, that's the CDC recommendation. Um, and that is what we're doing up here. That was, that was recommended. I was, uh, was on a zoom last night where Ann Zink, the chief medical officer for the state was updating everyone. And, and that is the recommendation that the state is giving as well. So we have seen, there was a pretty widely publicized report, uh, yesterday, of um, a healthcare worker, a nurse, I believe, down in Juneau, who had anaphylaxis, had no history of significant allergic reactions, developed anaphylaxis during the period that she was being observed, and ended up having a, a sustained enough reaction that she had to be admitted to the hospital overnight um, on an epinephrine drip. So it's the same medication that's in an EpiPen, an auto injector. Um, and um, basically, she was given uh, effectively an EpiPen and her symptoms recurred after that medication wore off because that epinephrine only works for about 45 minutes. So that wore off, symptoms came back. And so, so standard treatment is she was put on an epinephrine drip, uh, meaning a, con a continuous dose of that medication on an IV pump so that um, the symptoms wouldn't come back. And once you're on an epi drip, you are being admitted to the ICU. There's really no other, no other part of the hospital that'll take an epi drip. So people may have seen reports that that patient was admitted to the ICU. And that's really not because of the, the critical severity of her illness so much as once you're on an epinephrine drip, there's no other unit in the hospital that's gonna be comfortable taking you. So, um, so there's that. And then there was another worker also down in Juneau actually, um, which has led to some question about you know, whether there was an issue with the, the lot that they got. But there was another healthcare worker in Juneau who developed some swelling around, I believe, one eye that resolved with Benadryl, so also likely allergic. Um, but that's it. That that's all we've seen so far. So those are sort of the less common ones, which is you know you would, which is reflected in the fact that those have been reported pretty widely in the national press, sort of like those two um, those two NHS workers in the UK. But other than that, sort of the the more common stuff is fairly self limited. And is that something? we should be worried about? Um, you know, I think it's something we should be aware of. Um, I, there's, you know, as I said, we're, we're observing everyone who gets this vaccine. And as the sites of administration become more widespread, it's probably going to become a little bit more of an active concern in terms of making sure that we are administering the vaccine safely. Right now, it's really being given at hospitals um, and sort of, and in some outlying areas, I would guess in clinics, but it's, 
routinely being given in a setting that actually can manage anaphylaxis. Um, and that's, that's being done very deliberately. And I, so in our observation area where everybody was sitting at Providence after getting the shot, the person doing the observing was actually one of our intensivists. So we have one of the ICU docs sitting there, um, understimulated, I think, luckily understimulated. <laughs> um, but, um, but we're certainly, you know, we're being cautious, but I don't think it's something that should by any means be limiting our use of this vaccine. So when can we expect the vaccine to be given at like Walgreens and Safeway and cars? Right. Well, so that's sort of the big question there, right? Is like, can we do that safely? Um, you know, are, do we need to be so concerned about anaphylaxis if that's not something that we can do? And you can make the argument that like, you know, people have anaphylaxis in the community all the time and they get an EpiPen and then they come to the hospital. Uh, and that's not necessarily something that should prevent us from rolling out um, widely available vaccine. In terms of timeline, it's going to be a while um, because, you know, you're looking at healthcare workers you're looking at nursing home residents, then you're looking at essential workers. And, you know, there's there's a big, there's sort of a, a hierarchy of administration. And it's going to be a while before you can sort of just walk into Walgreens the way you do for your flu shot. Mm -hmm. You know, the other caveat to that is we don't know how often it's going to have to be given again. Um, we talked a little bit last time about not knowing, you know, how many unknowns there are just because this is such a new vaccine, because it's such a new mm -hmm. illness. And so we don't know whether that immunity... It, it, I would assume that that immunity will wane eventually, although it's this vaccine generates a pretty robust immune response. Um, but we don't know how quickly. We don't know if you're going to need another shot in a year or in five years, is, whether it's just going to be a booster or you're going to need that whole primary series again. Um, there's, there's open questions around that, as we would expect there to be. How do you think news of something like someone having an adverse reaction to the vaccine can affect or will affect people's willingness to get the vaccine? My general sense is that there's a relatively small segment of society that consists of the undecided. You know, I think there's a large segment of people. Well, I mean, about half, I guess, if you if you believe sort of what polls say. But um, there's a, a pretty large segment of society that says, you know, I, I am getting this thing. I understand that there are risks, but this is happening. There's also a significant mm -hmm. segment that says over my dead body. Um, and then, you know, I guess the, the people we worry about are those ones who are are still unsure. And as we talked about last time, I mean, I get that this is this has been fast and this is, uh, you know, pretty new technology. And I, and I understand people having some some fears about it. So, I mean, those are the people that we don't want to sort of scare off. I guess what I would say is that, like, this is not unexpected. You know, you are you're injecting stuff into people's bodies. Some people, especially those who are sort of predisposed to have allergic reactions, they're going to have that. Um, and we're being careful about it. And we're being thoughtful about it. And I don't think that should be a, a disincentive to vaccination. I think especially for people who have no history of reaction to vaccines, no history of severe allergies, I certainly wouldn't be uh, overly concerned about this. I think it's being handled appropriately. It's not shocking. It's not anything that anyone wouldn't have expected. And it's, it's fine. So you're not seeing anything crazy with this vaccine? Nothing that you haven't seen with, say, the flu vaccine or any other vaccine that you've encountered? Right, right. And I think in a lot of ways, it's actually safer, um, because you don't have to worry about, um, you know, people with egg allergies, like you do with the flu vaccine. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's, 
not naked mRNA. I mean, it's mRNA with some some lipids and stuff around it. Um, but you know, first of all, everything that's in there has been very widely disclosed. I mean, you can go on the CDC website or the Pfizer website, and everything, every single molecule that's in that vaccine is listed there. Um, and it's a short list. I mean, I, I can't pronounce some of the things on it, but, but it's a short list. Um, so I, I think, yeah, it, I would have even, not that I have big concerns about the flu vaccine, but I would have even fewer concerns about this. And certainly there are reactions that we see with some other vaccines, um, like something called Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, that we have not seen at all reported with this one. Do you know how many healthcare workers have received or will receive the COVID vaccine in Alaska? Um, I don't. Um, and I, I am a little hesitant to dive too deeply into the numbers because my knowledge of them comes from the, sort of that one, that one Zoom. And I was trying mm -hmm. to put two kids to bed while listening to it. Um, <laughs> but but um, I believe the initial shipment to Alaska was something on the order of 30,000 doses. Um, some of that is allocated to, um, to the native corporations and to ANTHC. Um, and then the rest of it is being allocated by, uh, the department of health and social services. Um, and so I don't know sort of exactly what the breakdown of that is going to be, but I, we're, we're not going to get through everyone with this, everyone in sort of that first, uh, tier and sort of phase one, a, I don't think we're going to get through with the first shipment is my, is my understanding. Something I've noticed is how anti-COVID vaccine people have been talking about the vaccine on social media. A lot of them are saying that they think it's just not safe yet and that they're waiting for all the kinks to be worked out. Do you know if the pharmaceutical companies are planning on re-engineering the COVID vaccine at any point? Um, I don't know, but I would be surprised. I mean, I, I think... My my general reaction would be, look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it works. It's actually quite safe. As I said, I mean, we, we expect some people to have reactions to anything we inject into their body, right? I mean, there are all kinds of medications that we use on a regular basis that do produce some reactions. And as long as those reactions are um, manageable, we continue using those medications. You know, we're, we're always doing a risk-benefit calculation, right? It's... We talked a little bit last time about sort of decision-making, sort of cognitive biases and, and, and fallacies. You know, by choosing not to get a vaccination, you're also taking a very significant risk. And so uh, I think I would certainly err on the side of, of getting the vaccination. And I, I think as long as those risks may, may remain manageable and there's not new information that comes to light, I, I would have a hard time seeing a drug company re-engineering um, something like this. Now, I, I mean, look, five, 10 years down the line, might that happen? Sure, I suppose so, um, but not in the short term. And is that normal for a pharmaceutical company to re-engineer a vaccine after it's been approved and put out? Um, generally speaking, I, you know, that, that's sort of a, a tough question to answer because vaccines are so different. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the flu vaccine changes every year. Um, basically, um, the flu vaccine is sort of a prediction of what strains of flu are going to be most prevalent in the coming flu season. And generally 
our flu vaccine is based on the Southern Hemisphere flu season immediately preceding it. Um, so it's sort of an educated guess as to what strains we're going to see. But that guess is not always perfect. Some years is better than others. So that vaccine is reformulated every year. Other vaccines are improved upon. If you look at uh, the history of pneumococcal vaccination, which is one of the, it's a very, very routine vaccination um, against bacteria called uh, strep, pneumo, um, strep pneumoniae. Mm -hmm. What that actually does is protect against a huge number of strains, and that number has increased. So both the technology and the vaccine and the number of strains covered have increased um, over the years. And so that vaccine has changed pretty significantly. Um, others, like polio vaccines, really have not changed much um, since you know, their newest iteration decades ago. So it really, really depends on on which one you're looking at. Uh, but by and large, you know, short of response to major issues, no, there haven't been major reformulations. You know, there was the the whole um, MMR autism controversy that we talked a little bit last time with mm -hmm. Andrew Wakefield, um, who's the doc that subsequently lost his medical license, and that did lead to some reformulations to the removal of a preservative called thimerosal. Um, from the vaccine, but that probably wasn't based on much of anything other than what I would I, I would personally call some some vaccine hysteria. And so I have just a couple more questions for you, and this gets back to whether to take the vaccine or not to take the vaccine. So, what are the chances of hospitals reaching capacity because of adverse reactions to the COVID vaccine? Virtually zero. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think we, we already have hospitals. As, again, it sort of goes to sort of, well, by choosing not to get the vaccine, you're choosing to potentially get COVID, right? And so um, right now, hospitals, I mean, you look at California, and the hospitals are at capacity. Um, and so that is happening without the vaccine. I think to, to say that we're not going to vaccinate on the basis of two people so far in the entire United States having allergic reactions Um it would be insanity. Uh, it really, we're, we are not seeing reactions on a scale that would ever threaten hospital capacity. I mean, right now, we the number of reactions, of significant reactions that have been reported in the US to my knowledge, wouldn't overwhelm a single small rural emergency department, let alone our entire health system. So we are better off taking the vaccine than not taking the vaccine? Unequivocally. And that, that does it for my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, I would encourage people to ask people they trust, ask their doctors, you know, ask, uh, you know, if you have that, that cousin who's in medicine, who, you know, whoever it might be, um, you know, if people want to reach out to you. And I said this last time, but if people want to reach out to you, I'm happy to answer questions. Um, you know, there was this meme floating around of sort of like, uh, on the one hand, people saying, oh, I'm not sure about that vaccine. And on the other hand, every doctor saying, I will take that thing in my eye if that's what's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's where most of us stand right now um, is we're we're pretty happy to see this happening. And and, you know, I mean, fully recognizing that this is a vaccine that we haven't had a long time to study and that has produced some allergic reactions. I was excited to walk in there yesterday. And I would say it's the first time I've ever been excited to get stuck with a needle. <laughs> Well, that's great, Danny. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with me, man. Oh, my pleasure. After our conversation, Dr. Minlin messaged me about addressing the people who developed Bell's palsy while involved in COVID vaccine trials. Here he is explaining that. 
one other thing that I wanted to touch on was some of the uh, reports that are floating around um, that are really not accurate um, about side effects from the vaccine. And we talked a little bit last time, I think, about um, sort of taking a closer look at some of the reports that are out there. For example, um, there were these, these reports of um, you know people dying in the trials, and there there were deaths. There were deaths in both the placebo and the uh, the intervention groups. Um, meaning the people who got the vaccine and the people who got saltwater injections. Um, and those, those really didn't exceed the, what you would expect to be the background rate um, in society at large for people uh, in a group of that size. You know, you take 40,000 people, you're going to have a certain background rate of death at baseline. Um, and, and that wasn't exceeded. Uh, it would have been more surprising if nobody had died in a group of that size in that time period. Um, and so we're sort of seeing something similar now. Um, with these reports about Bell's palsy with the vaccine. Um, so Bell's palsy basically is a, is a facial paralysis. It's a, a, a temporary paralysis of, um, of a facial nerve. Um, and it's usually completely self-limited. A lot of things can cause it. Um, Lyme disease can actually um, cause a form of it. it it's often um, set off by a viral infection, actually. Um, but this is sort of another case of like, well, yeah, I mean, people did get the vaccine to develop Bell's palsy, but you expect a certain rate of Bell's palsy in the background. Um, so the fact that people got it really doesn't tell us anything about the vaccine. Those cases also were self-limited. They didn't require any specific intervention. Um, they just went away on their own. Um, and so there were really, there was really nothing to be concerned about there. And then, you know, you look and people are, there are images floating around on Facebook um, that are actually taken from papers about Bell's palsy. Um, so people will say, oh, these are, these are people who got the vaccine and developed facial paralysis. Well, no, there's actually been a statement put out by the authors of that paper uh, explicitly saying, no, these images are taken from our paper that came out in the past and has nothing at all to do with COVID. Um, so again, sort of concerning that we're seeing this disinformation, not necessarily surprising, but, but concerning. For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Thanks to Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, Aquila Space, and Northern Knives for their support at the company man level. This conversation was written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. <laughs>